Hello once again. Uh, we're at the end of the year. It feels like it was only five minutes ago since the last one. But we're doing the, the top 10 albums of the year. Of course, once again, I'm joined by uh, Lee Graham of The Rock Show. Now, we were just talking before we came on to this uh, chat uh, about uh, how tough this year has been. Because we, we've gone through this top 10. As you, as people may notice, I even have a pen this year. For the first time this year, uh, ever, on these top 10s, uh, I'm literally going to have to go through methodically um, because there's so much rele- like big releases this year, isn't there? You know, it feels... Like the competition is for like for the top tens, uh, is the toughest it's ever been. I don't know how you felt, mate. It's just like, I was, like we were saying off air, you know, like how I normally we've done these for you know, it's been last last few years we've done these now, it's been about yeah. three we've done of these now, and it's always great fun. Um, you know, we did one that was like just after I think the first one we did was like 2020 or 2021, uh, so mm. it was just like in the middle of I remember it being like a lockdown kind of year. Yeah, and it was almost like you were trying to find things because obviously no one could release anything and everybody was kind of writing. And it felt like, you know, 2022, things started to open back up again and people were releasing the stuff they wrote during lockdown. And it feels like even more so this year. And you've not only got, you know, great bands on the rise that are coming through with superb debut and second albums, but you've got really, you know, well-established bands coming up with an album that's going to come in and hit you with a sucker punch. And it's just like ten's not enough. <laughs> it's just no, it, we could have had fifteen. We could maybe even twenty for the yeah. first time. I think. Um, so, with that in mind, we are doing honourable mentions, but perhaps more honourable than they've previously been. Because I think even this year, if you get into the honourable mentions category, um, it's the toughest it's been. So, uh, certainly don't it, like if you're one of these bands, don't don't take it too badly that you're in the honorable mentions because it, uh, you know in any other year you'd probably have been in the top 10 like it's that tough absolutely um so speaking of that what is lee's honorable mentions uh so like you say we've got more than more than normal uh mm, of course <laughs> <laughs> um first one uh that's in my honorable mental honorable mentions list is mm. phil campbell uh formerly the temperance movement of course uh with his album city lights yeah. Uh, this is a great record. It was absolutely wanted what I wanted from Phil and and more so. And it it really was jumping in and out. I mean, to fair, all of these were jumping in and out. I wanted like a joint tenth place for about well, in fairness, <laughs> about twenty x. But <laughs> um, yeah, I just feel that I don't know. I don't know why it's not in the top ten. I can't even tell you why mm. it's not made it. It's just it is. How we normally say, you know, the top three or four, that could have been one, number one on any other yeah, given yeah. day. I feel like my top five or six could do the same. Mm. Um, so equally, any of these could have been, you know, in the top ten easy. Uh, but that's a great record from Phil. I don't know if everyone's checked out. If they haven't, they should. Don't go into it expecting, you know, a temperance track and a temperance album. There's some that have got that kind of vein. But it really does show Phil as a finest songwriting, and it's nice to see him back in action. Um, so, yeah, we've got Phil uh, of City Lights there. Um, one that most people will be probably screaming at me for not including in my top 10. Here we go. And it was in my top 10, but kept, I kept, I was looking at the list. It was in my top 10 till this morning, if I'm honest. Wow, that close. Yeah, and it's um, and it's the Foo Fighters. 
Wow. But here we are, which obviously a very emotive record in tribute to Taylor Hawkins. Um, a great record. I think it's arguably one of their finest moments. And to come out with a record this strong after battling, you know, grief and everything that and the, and the shock of Taylor um, says a lot about them as musicians. Sometimes, you know, creative people create their best work in darkest moments. And I think that's a prime example of this. But I just feel that there were other albums on this list that just, for me personally, yeah. resonated with me that bit more. Uh, this is a great record, and I, I spent a lot of the year listening to it. And um, I'd, I'd love to see some of these songs live. I'd love to see the Foos again. Big Foos fan. But, yeah, didn't quite make it just because of, like you say, how strong this year has been. Um, and I think when I've got Foo Fighters in my honourable mentions, uh, <laughs> that shows you how strong this year has been. So tough. Um, do we have any more in the list? I know you mentioned um, a few more. Yeah, um, Buck Cherry and 10. They're, they're right. late. So, yeah, I'm a big Buck Cherry fan, as you know. And I think uh, the last two albums, Hellbound and Hell 10, that came out earlier this year, are great records. And I think they're the, the best records, two records they've done since 15. Uh, mm. We were speaking about 15 when yeah. we did our um, pre-classic rock um, kind of show, countdown the other last time around. And this is a great record. But again, it just kept flitting in and out. It just kept flitting in and out. And mm. that's no disrespect to anyone in Buck Cherry because I think it's a solid record. You know, I have to see them in January this year. So if I meet them it could be awkward if they watch this but there we go <laughs> um but uh yeah and then uh following on from that um we've got uh cj wildheart was split now the mm. reason that this isn't in the top 10 is purely because it literally came out a couple of weeks ago um mm. it's only been on a digital release so far the physical copies are coming in n- next couple of weeks i believe from what cj's been putting up it's a great punk and roll record if you love the wild hearts you love cj this is him at his absolute finest um, so go check it out. It's a brilliant album. But like I say, because I managed to soak it up as much as I yeah. have some of the other records on this list, that's that's the sort of reason why it's not there. But definitely a record worth mentioning and mm. worth checking out. And um, again, with the last one, actually, uh, Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons with their latest release, a great record, um, you know, uh, for the uh, Kings of the Asylum. Great, great album. But I've only recently just started delving into it. I've had a little while. Mm. And I gave a good run through once, but then I was... It was in a period where I had a lot of interviews, so and you know, and you know what that's like, Ron. You want to yeah. soak up the person that you're chatting to, so it was a period of that, and I didn't get a chance to soak up properly, and I've only just started doing that. But I think this is their best album, and I'll I'll, I'll say that. But yeah, that's my uh, my honourable mentions. Mm, I mean, leading into that, uh, Phil Campbell with uh, Kings of the Asylum it is one of my honourable mentions as well. <laughs> in previous years, this would have made, and particularly last year, I think. When I look at last year's list, if this came out last year, it may have been in my top five. Same. Um, and so, so it's absolutely no discredit. I think it's the 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 best album that they've put out to date. I think um, stuff like Schizophrenia, it's mm. great stuff, you know. But the, the, you know, I think it's it's what Phil Campbell does well, isn't it? And mm. uh, with Joel coming in. I think Joel's Again, really elevated. I really do. Oh man, he, he's he's on another level. I mean, I first saw them when when uh, with Joel with uh, at Just Push Play, okay. um, and. Again, it just felt like he'd elevated the band to a new level, and I think they certainly did that here. Um, so if they keep going in the way that they're, they're going, they'll they'll definitely make it into a top ten at some point. Yeah. <laughs> um, my other honorable, honorable mention is so this is a bit of a technicality. Right. Uh, 
a chap that I interviewed a while ago called Anthony Gomes. Uh, he released uh, his album High Voltage Blues technically last year, which means that I can't put it in this year's top 10. But uh, the reasons why I feel like I have to mention this album is because it's been in the uh, blues rock charts for an astonishing, especially for an in, uh, independent guy, 11 months. <laughs> <laughs> 11 months and he's still in the top 10 of course uh this time around he had uh billy sheehan guest with him along with uh, ray luzier of corn i mean hell of a star study exactly um but yeah 11 months to still be in the top 10 now um i mean at the time of this release he may have moved into 12 <laughs> <laughs> which is just ridiculous. So I feel he has to get a shout out for that. Uh, and my, uh, my last two is uh, a chap called uh, the bones of J.R. Jones. Um, he's more of kind of an indie guy. He used to be more of a blues guy. So if you're looking for something a little bit different to the rest of the stuff that's in this year's uh, top 10, I would certainly say, go and check out this guy. Um, He's got something about him. It's a great, solid album. But again, due to the simple fact that this year is so stacked, I have to drop him down into honorable mentions. But if he'd have been out last year, top 10, I think. Um, it's one of them. And my uh, my final honorable mention, I think this is more of a a thing where they're so big and everybody's talking about this album that I, I feel that I have to include them. So it's the Rolling Stones with Hackney Diamonds. Cool. The reason to why I haven't put them in the top 10 is it's not because of the the songs. The quality of songs are there. It's got some great stuff. There's one that I've forgotten the name of that's with Lady Gaga. Really oh, great song. Something Moon. Um, hmm? Something Moon. Yeah, you know what you want to mean. Uh, people will know. They'll be able to tell us in the comments. Um but yeah, it's it's a it's got great stuff in there. But ultimately, if I'm looking at it from a critical standpoint, if I'm gonna be this kind of tough with these top tens, I think the production lets it down without sounding too harsh. Sorry, <laughs> Keith Richards and people like that who I'm sure know far more than me. But um, for me, I could hear the auto tune from the beginning. All right, and I I can't get past that for me personally um and i listened I, I had to look at who produced the record and i found out that it was the same chap that did uh ozzy osbourne's last one ordinary man hmm. and i had similar issues which i mentioned a couple of years back when when his album came out so i feel that maybe this is the kind of style of production this guy likes to do which is fair enough but it's not for me ultimately it might be in your top tens for the people out there but i think that has uh pushed it down a little bit for me um moving into our top 10 yeah uh, <laughs> Finally, <laughs> um, what, what's your have number a top 10? ten of honorable mentions? Didn't we? Oh my god, you could have had a top ten of honorable mentions. What what is your your one to kick it off? The one that's kind of broke past these honorable mentions. Okay, so my uh, my number ten is uh, the Hot One Two with Superbia. Wow, so it's a kind of a a more low key band for those that maybe not familiar with them. Yeah, you know, a band rising through the ranks. I think this mm. is a. The reason I want to put it in because for me this is an example 
of an incredible debut um, album. I've known the band for, you know, a little while now. I had them open up Just Push Play in uh, 2021. Uh, they've worked really hard on this release and their efforts really do come to fruition on this album. They've been working really hard the last couple of years, honing their craft and getting more of a live reputation. And, you know, it's nice to you go to gigs now and you see quite a lot of Hot One Two t-shirts out in the crowd and, you know, they're getting on bigger and bigger festivals, which is brilliant, and bigger lineups and all that kind of thing. Um, the production on this is amazing it sounds like it could be a third or fourth record um mm. the separation on the on the album is great everything cuts through nicely without it overclouding each other um and you know you don't always get that on a debut album yeah. um because it's just sometimes not within that band's budget to be able to spend that much on production they just got to try and you know sometimes it, uh, you, your debut is a bit rawer uh for want of a better term sometimes um Tracks like Tie Me Down have been a live stable for the boys for you know for quite some time. Uh, but on this album, it feels like even those have got a, a real new lease of life with it. And, you know, the energy on it is insane. It kicks off at 100 miles an hour and doesn't really stop all the way through. They released quite a lot of singles in the build-up. Um, they were doing single, one single every sort of few months with tracks like The Fray and Rolling Stone and Is It Hot? And they're all brilliant. But there was just enough of new tracks with tracks like uh, you got it. I want it and feeling good uh, that come out absolutely swinging. Um, and I just feel like there's a thing at the moment because obviously bands like massive wagons and those that crows and Florence black are really scaling up um, to be at that higher level. And there's a thing now with, well, who's coming in from, you know, who's rising through those ranks to fill those spots. Mm. And I feel with a record this strong, it definitely shows the promise that these boys could. In my opinion, they could do or go all the way with this, um, and they absolutely would deserve to. I mean, this album, I've they sent me a, a single 2018, 2019 uh, mm. called "Better Than You Know," and everything that I sort of went, "Oh, that's cool. That's got a lot of promise here. You know, it's a great song. There's some good things." Every bit of promise that was shown in that first single was delivered on this album, um, and yeah, for that reason, that's that's my number ten. Mm, I mean, uh, one for the guys there that you've you've beaten the Foo Fighters on Lee's list this year, so that's a, a hell of a, a thing to do. Um, my number ten, uh, it's uh, When Rivers Meet with uh, Aces High. Uh, yeah, is I think when I was listening to this album, it's it's possibly the heaviest they've sounded. I think mm. um, the guitar, particularly from Aaron. It's I don't know. It's got this real kind of heavier punch to it that I think, you know, we haven't heard from them yet, and I really like it. I think it's 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 a great direction that they've gone in. They haven't completely changed their sound. They haven't reinvented the wheel, no. But it it feels like a great progression to this kind of next level for them. Um, and it, I I personally believe I think it's one at least. It, it's either one of their best albums to date or it is the best album to date. I'm kind of wavering between those two, but um, yeah, I think, I think as a, as a, a thing on the whole, I feel that it's a, a great solid release. Um, and I think it moves them in, in up, up this kind of next tier that, that we're talking about here, where you were saying, you know, with the hot one two, where they're kind of moving up a little yeah. bit as the other bands move up. I think that on the other end of the scale, you've got when rivers meet, you are moving up now to this kind of next level. And, um, this album certainly, uh, helps them do that. So that, that is my number 10. So my number nine is an album that came out earlier this year. I think it was June. It came out, but, uh, mm. it's one that I've only really been soaking up for the last couple of months. 
um, since, since I really started delving into it. And it's uh, Luke Morley with Songs from the Blue Room. Um, now, as we know, obviously Danny Bowes of Thunder has had some health issues and he's been recovering mm. from those, which has left Thunder on hiatus uh, somewhat, whilst Danish recovers. Now, when I interviewed Luke a, a few weeks ago, he was saying that the, the songs um, came from writing for Thunder songs um, and he part them because, you know, he didn't feel that the songs on this record sounded like Thunder tunes. He's right. They absolutely don't sound like Thunder tunes, uh, but they are incredible. And uh, well, he's rightly, uh, they obviously don't. But uh, I guess one thing I always gets annoyed me when you hear media and press say, someone's done a solo release and it doesn't sound like the band. Well, you know what? That's what a solo album's for. Yeah. If he was writing a tune that sounded like the band, he'd probably bring it to the table for that band because that would make the absolutely most choice. But what it, what there is, I think it shows just what an incredible songwriter Luke Morley is. I mean, I've always stated, I truly believe that like, Luke Morley, Ricky Warwick, Ginger Wildheart, they are the finest songwriters going out there at the moment. I, I believe I've always thought that would be in my top three. And mm-hmm. and this album for me showcases it completely. It's another flavour of Luke Morley, a completely different angle from what you'd get on a Thunder record, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Cry Like Rain is one of the most beautiful songs I've heard. Uh, that was a real grow on me. Errol Flynn is another storm track on it. And it's an album that opens up more and more every time you listen to it. And it seems to give you more and more with each listen. Um, had I soaked out more, it might even be even higher. But as I've only really started delving in it to the last uh, couple of months, that's why it's my number nine. Mm, so it could climb up the list still. Uh, my number nine, um, it's a band that uh, I discovered a couple of years ago when they, they brought out their second album. Um they sent it to me in advance, and I was like, wow, this is a great band. Uh, and it's The Dust Coda with Loco Paradise. Um, again, I think that the they've they've done something which I've always said is a great thing to do. Um, rather than do more of the same, with like they because they had a great album with Mojo Skyline. Um, rather than do just more of that, um, they've gone for a slightly different flavor, and I really respect them for that. Um, you know they've they've incorporated more of this kind of acoustic feel into their into their songs, and I think that it's a great follow up album. I think that again it's it's another progression for them. I think that it's enhanced their sound, this kind of slightly different tone that they've gone for without sounding completely different. Um, it still sounds like the Dust Coda, but it's just like a it's a further on step for them. And again, I think uh, John is his vocals. Incredible on this, record. Mm? incredible vocals on this record. Oh my god! I mean, it's for me something has happened with him between these two releases because he's he's taken a about two or three notches up. I think uh, the 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 level of vocals that he's got on this album, I think, really is kind of uh, on another tier. I mean, I think he's set himself a bit of a challenge for doing live shows because he's like right up there on some of the songs. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a great album. I think that you know people should check it out if you like kind of classic rock. It, it kind of is what it is on the tin, but it's done really well. And um, yeah, for that reason, it has to be my number nine. Good call, man. It's a great record. It is. Uh, your number eight is uh, an album I was very excited to hear. Mm. Uh, it definitely hasn't one that's disappointed. Uh, from the moment I heard the first single, "Worlds Collide," it was clear that this, which is the band's second album, um was going to show growth and how they've changed since their debut. 
Uh, it's, it's Vambo, and it's their uh, second album, which is simply titled Two. Uh, <laughs> Uh, these guys, in my opinion, are one of the finest bands on the scene. I really believe that. Uh, their debut's great. But naturally, like a lot of bands, I mean, it came out 2018, 2019, the debut. Mm. And they lost traction through the COVID years, like a lot of people did. Um, I'd also say the debut doesn't really showcase them as a band and where they are now because their sound's changed. They've evolved. They've found their craft. They've boiled down their sound, if you like, in terms of what they're doing. Um mm. But this album absolutely does. Uh, from the moment Minute of Madness opens up the record to the final notes of uh, Shadows ringing out, it's absolutely all killer, no filler. And uh, the production sounds great. It captures their live sound and energy, which is brilliant because a band like Bambo, I think, are a band that their live energy and their live vibe is an absolute asset to, to what they do. Uh, so to capture that in a production, I think it's great. Um, and it's it's full of light and shade, like I say. I mean, Shadows, I mentioned, probably the heaviest track on the record. Uh, it's another album where the more you listen to, the more it grows. Mm. And if anyone's out there listening and watching that hasn't heard Bambo, doesn't know what I'm about, I'd really urge you to check them out because I just think they're they're incredible. You know, I saw them live for the first time uh, a few years ago, supporting Cats in Space, and had them at Just Push Play this year, um, storming band. And I just think this this album's up there with the with the best of the best. And you know, like I say to to requote you, I've I've put them above Foo Fighters, so. Again, another uh, kind of a upcoming band that's toppled some of the biggest bands out there. Yeah, um, yeah it's, a, it's, it's an interesting choice. Um, not an album that I can say I've listened to yet, so uh, I'll be giving that one a go. Uh, my number eight. Um, we're already at number eight. We're already going into elite kind of territory for the first time ever i think um if this came out last year it may have been in my top four um but just due to the the simple competition that's going on this year it's 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 absolute madness <laughs> my number eight is don martin with uh buried in the hail um it's a great record you know and it, it feels like it's like oh my god it's number eight but it's it's the toughest year. <laughs> Absolutely, he's just released it in the hardest year. Um, you know, I th I think that it has this overall tone. It has this overall mood, and I think to coin the phrase that I, that I used a couple of years ago, it feels like a good Sunday album. You know, you put it on on a Sunday, you can relax to it. It's got this overall mood that I really like, um, and he. he He's, he's obviously a great guitarist, but he's a great singer as well, isn't he? Absolutely. You know, um, and there's there's something special about Dom. Uh, you know, after after I spoke with him a while back, we we were discussing, weren't we? We were saying, I was like, you know, check this guy out. There's something about him, and he's carried that on again. But I think with better production this time, I think the production oh, is far yeah. higher. Um. And it's it's just really done well. You can tell that you know he's he's got this major love of this craft, um, and it reflects in that album. Uh, and again, it's a it's a further progression for him. Um, and if if for those out there that don't know who Don Martin is, I would you know just implore you to go out and uh, check him out because he's he's just such a great musician i mean you you heard him live a, a couple of weeks ago didn't you yeah i mean it was it was thanks to you that i got into him you know you interviewed him um for the podcast and i really enjoyed him like you say you were discussing and i said to you, you know not heard this guy before like the sound of him and like you mm -hmm. say 
like we're urging people to now you still go check them out and i listened to uh the last album they did initially savage life and mm. great record um yeah absolutely fell in love with them we then had him on on my show for the, for the radio show uh, it was great and then yeah went to go see him a couple of weeks ago um over at stonemark as part of the tour for this record and it was fantastic you know mm. classic power trio he had a bass player and a drummer with him who were, who were brilliant um like you say, he's a hell of a guitarist, but he's a hell of a singer. And I think even live, that mood that you talk about there on this record is transformed even more. Mm. And that tone of his voice is just, man, I could listen to him sing all day. I really could. Yeah, this, time, this is it. I mean, I think that he could release an album where he's just reading the directory or something, you know, yeah. just singing the <laughs> singing the, <laughs> through names or something. And he'd make it sound cool. I don't know how he manages it. Um. <laughs> My number seven is... Um, empire and it's relentless all right uh like bambo uh, these guys are another band that really stand out on their own for me uh came back out early in the year back in march and i'll be mm. honest it wasn't until i was going back through things i had it in my head it came out the tail end of last year that's probably because the single started around then mm. um but no no it's this year uh this album saw these guys sign with k-scope records uh which is home bands like anathema and tesseract and stephen wilson and the pineapple thief uh, so guys with uh have the guys having you know a definite progressive slant to what they do i think k-scope is the absolute best home that they could have for them to be right now mm. um and i think that truly shows you know the quality of musicianship within the band and this and their output um when you're all signing to a label that's got someone like stephen wilson on the bill mm. or it has looked after stephen wilson in previous years um i think that says a lot i can't say favorite songs on this album because i literally list the whole thing yeah i think it's a, a prime example of each song on the record having um an absolute place in it an absolute right and it's pivotal to the overall structure of the album um the production's on another level everything is so sonically and it sounds so big and huge and almost cinematic um, it feels like, you know, their debut Self-Aware, which came out again 2018, 2019, I believe. Uh, mm. It just feels that, like, with that, that was almost like, I don't know, like the seedling, and then from that, bang. You know, mm. there was it was the the black hole before the Big Bang, so to speak. You know, it's there's a, a great feel about this. There's Yes, there's a progressive element to it, but there's, you know, there's, there's grunge and there's folk and there's classical and there's metal and there's all these things that kind of woven together mm. to, to, to make that sound that Empire do. I mean, you can absolutely imagine this album being played at the Albert Hall with a big orchestra, put it that way. It's got that kind of fuller backing about it. It's rich, it's warm, it's full of an emotion. It's an absolutely an album you can get lost in. Um, I think, you know, obviously you were saying Don Martin being out there on his own. I think these guys are out there on their own. And I think that really brings you into it. And I don't think there's anyone else like them. So for, for that reason, it's my number seven. Mm, some interesting choices. Um, you know, some bands that maybe people aren't completely familiar with, which is always interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm, for my uh, number seven, I'm going one that's kind of over, what, three, four years? It's hard to keep track with the, with the world kind of going mad for a couple of years. Um, they They just took off uh and just went to like a new level um but it may surprise some people that i've included this one but I, when i was listening through these albums um i generally give every every like tentpole release like a, a good chance and some some uh more kind of 
upcoming bands would go as well. And one that crept into my top 10 this year uh, in, in number seven was Greta Van Fleet with Starcatcher. Oh, cool. Um, I think this is a, a move for them in the right direction. Over the last few years, we've heard from different sources, different people that, you know, they sound too much like Led Zeppelin or they sound like Rush or they sound like somebody, you know, you always hear, oh, Grab and Fleet, they sound like such and such. Um, whereas I think that this is the album where they're really starting to find who they are. You know, they're, they're developing, of course, you know, it has this retro vibe to it. It has these kind of elements, but I was listening to this album and I wasn't hearing a tremendous amount of Led Zeppelin. Of course, I heard Influence, um, which, you know, loads of bands do, don't they? It's it's, a, it's an all thing. But it wasn't slapping me across the face with it. <laughs> like I didn't I didn't immediately go, oh, obviously, uh, you know, this is such and such a song from Led Zeppelin that they've kind of been inspired by. Um, I think maybe because, you know, these guys, they're growing up a bit more now. You know, they're young guys. Um, and they they've think got about more... how young they were on their debut. Exactly, this is it. Um, you know, they're they're coming into their own now. I think they they're finding out who they are, the style that they want to do. I mean, in particular, the uh, the vocals, um, the styles changed, um, which I think is very interesting. He's moved more towards you know something else. He's he's got this overall tone, and he's doing the one thing that I kind of. I don't. I wouldn't really say criticize, but I would say that I wasn't a fan of that he'd do. He's he would he would kind of he would go so far that he'd kind of almost screech for yeah. me personally. It would sound like a little bit of a screeching thing going on, and it just wasn't for me. But he's not doing this at all on this album. Um, they've really progressed as a band. Uh, one of the highlights for me was uh, Sacred the Thread. Um, I think it shows the direction that they would that they should go in you know they have this overall tone that's kind of it's retro-y but it's i don't know what it is exactly but it's something a little bit different and that's what i've kind of hoped that they would do you know as much as i like their old material i just i think that they needed to move away from the you know oh they sound like such and such because it's, it's too much of an open goal for people that, yeah. that that aren't a fan it's you know it's too easy uh so yeah with this one they, they've moved away from that and i think that they've released a really good album here and um yeah for that reason it has to come in at my number seven um it was a bit of a surprise for me really yeah it's, it's super uh, cool man. i mean there's been a lot of progression like you say with those guys hmm. and when their debut came out i loved it and you know yeah so there was a lot in the press about oh they're just trying to be zeppelin and then then hmm. they moved away from the sound with the, with the follow-up and there was oh well there's more progressive so We'll, we'll say it sounds like Rush, and it just seemed like really lazy journalism, to be yeah. honest. Um, but they sounded great, and I've always liked them. And but with this, I think you're right, though, with this album, they definitely seem to have found them. Hmm. Um, and, you know, like you say, they're a bit older now. They're growing up. They're more assertive in who they are and what they want to do. And I've, I've it's one I forgot. <laughs> But I, <laughs> it, it's one that i nearly didn't touch on purely down to the fact that i didn't sit down and listen to it until recently mm. um you know for me i think that this is kind of the ultimate response to people going oh they sound like insert band here from mm. the past um because there isn't a clear 
no. direct influence there's a of course there's multiple different influences but i think this is the first time where you can't sit there and go they sound like led zeppelin yeah. um and i think that that's great i think it's great for them because it's like nobody can really say that anymore it's ruined it <laughs> so, <laughs> uh moving on your uh number six uh yeah so my number six is a band i've been a fan of for, for a long time um, since first saw them download 2009 2010 i think it was um and then the last few years they've, they've reformed they're back in action it's black spiders mm. and um it's their album can't die won't die uh they came back into action and with uh the death proof ep and the self-tied album that they released in 2021 mm. um it showed that they were you know again back in action and fully swinging uh this album once again proves why i love them and why a lot of people love them it's actually on it you know, full on riff attack all the way through the singles with like Hot Wheels and All Right, All Right, uh, setting the reputation of this uh, being one of the, you know, best records in my opinion. Um, but I think it was even cemented more so uh, with album tracks like Destroyer, mm-hmm. um, Traitor's Walk, Driving My Rooster, Rat as a Rat. Uh, this is obviously a new era for the guys with the lineup because there were some lineup changes from Reformation um, from the early days. Um, and it does seem to have brought like a new kind of revived energy about it. Mm. And I, I saw them at Made It Stone Festival and I definitely felt that in a live setting. Um, it was the first time I'd seen them since they reformed. And again, yeah, put me straight back to that energy that I love about them. And I think the fact that those songs from that, not only this album, well, this album in particular, but also, like I say, Death Proof EP and the self titles stood tall against you know fan favorites like kiss tried to kill me or whatever and and the fans were equally if not more excited to hear the new material i think that proves that this is their finest album today and to do this you know, 12 years since the debut mm. i think says a lot and for that it absolutely has to be up there for me mm. i think it's always difficult when a band has had a break because mm. because there's always this kind of thing where people go oh they're back sure but are they going to be as good as they used to be? Yeah. You know, do they have the same kind of magic or, you know, and if, if they do have the same kind of magic, some people might go, Oh, but they sound exactly the same. There's no progression. So you've got to hit this perfect balance. And I think it's really difficult to do. Yeah. Um, sweet spot. Mm, exactly. Uh, no, I, I completely get that. Uh, my number six, um, I'm going with, uh, a guy that's kind of been around for a while, but I think with this album, he's really moved himself up a gear. Uh, it's Jared James Nichols. It's just self-titled. Um, was that this year? I believe it was. I'm pretty okay. sure it is. I think yeah, right. it was. It was because I interviewed him. <laughs> so did <laughs> I. Me doubt myself. <laughs> but so did I. <laughs> <laughs> I thought. I thought for a minute. I was like, "Hang on a minute," uh, and then I was like, "Oh no!" He he was uh, at the time of interviewing him. It hadn't quite been released. It didn't quite come out yet. So it had to be this year. It was early this year, actually. Like January, February, wasn't it? I think. I think it may have been January. Mm. It was a very early release in the year, but um, yeah, I think uh, he's moved himself up a tier. Uh, the highlights for me is Bad Roots. Uh, I mean, that's a great song, isn't it? Uh, it just kind of showcases that that guitar ability that he's got. Um, and one one that I always really like is Hallelujah. Yes, it just really kicks up a gear. Yeah, it's, it's a great song. Um, and it's, 
you know, the, the stuff in there that, that is included on previous releases, but kind of had a bit of a, a re-recording of like Shadow Dancer. I think that's a great song. Um, everything is elevated up to a different tier. And um, for that reason, I've had to to put this one in here because it's, it's, it's a great release and um, he's a great guitarist. And it's it's that kind of music that I really enjoy. It's just very cool. It's it's great guitar work, and um, it's done really well. So for that reason, it has to be my number six. Oh, that's a good choice, man. I mean, that's I think for me, this is a record that showcases him best. Mm. Other releases haven't quite captured. They've been great, you know. Don't get me wrong, but they've never quite captured that. It's it's not a live album, obviously, but it captures a more live sound, yeah. that more aggressive tone. Mm. And yeah, I can't believe I forgot it. <laughs> It's it's difficult to remember all these because I mean I I did look through stuff and I, you know I even doubted myself then I was like it did it come out this year and I was like oh yeah it did because I remember the vinyl hadn't come out yet and yeah. the uh, and he and he was talking about oh you know we're gonna we're gonna tour this we're gonna do this so it has to be this year <laughs> <laughs> so but this is it there's so much um, yeah you're we're moving into our top five yeah um, which. Um, I think in any of the year, maybe number one. Um, any any of my next top five could easily be a number one in any other year. So yeah, my number five um, was absolutely my album of the summer, and it's Skin Dread with Smile. Right. Okay. Uh, now anyone who's ever seen a Skin Dread live show knows what kind of energy they bring to the table. Mm. But this this album, they not only capture that energy, but the songwriting on it, on it is amazing. And there's, I feel like they really kicked it up a gear. Um, Black, Black Spiders, I've been a fan of them a long time. Mm. Um, and but the moment I heard Give Me That Boom, I knew there was something special coming from this record. As soon as that single dropped, it got sent to my, you know, it got sent over to the radio show. And I thought, brilliant, new skin dread. And I'm always, I was, I've been a fan for a long, long time. And I'm always mm. excited to hear new skin dread. Um, as soon as I was in the studio at the time, so I thought I'm just gonna quickly listen to this before I go home. And songs sound better on a proper <laughs> a yeah, proper yeah. studio sound system. It just blew me away from the moment I heard it. And I and, and I knew there was something good was gonna happen. And man did they deliver. You know, nearly 20 years after the first to- after I first heard them, um, they come out with another sucker punch and absolutely knocked me out of my shoes. Um you know, I was completely bowled away the like the first time I heard them. It's twelve tracks of you know bouncing energy, groove infused, great music. That perfect metal pot that only Skin Dread can do, of you know reggae, metal, dubstep, punk, funk, hip hop. It's all in there, um, and it's so much so that twenty years and eight years into their career, they get a number three in the UK official charts. Yeah, you know, had a they've had a massive impact on on the scene. And in rock in general throughout their career mm. but it feels like this time round, um mainstream media started to take notice of them mm. and they were you know i was seeing them on bbc getting interviewed yeah. and benji um doing appearances on nevermind the buzzcocks and things like that um mm. and they've always been i mean like motivate they've never changed who they are they've been they've never changed what they do and it just feels like with this record you know, they were really, for want of a better term, they weren't really a secret, but mainstream wasn't really paying them any attention. But within slightly the rock, underground, yeah, slightly underground. You know, they were mm. well revered in the rock scene. They'd already started climbing the ladder at festivals, 
um, and all that kind of thing. They've been doing that for years. But it felt like they finally got some recognition in the mainstream. Um, mm. Smile is the absolute pinnacle album. Um, I'm sure they will, but I don't know how they can top this. But then I didn't know how they were going to top Babylon AD, uh, which, <laughs> their debut when I first heard that. I didn't know how that was going to get topped. And, and and they have consistently done it. And I just think when they're, you know, getting to UK number what number three in the charts, they were so close to getting number one as well. There wasn't that many units in the difference. I remember seeing the, the statistics at the time. They're doing that. They're playing Wembley next year, first time headlining Wembley. Wow. Um, and when they're doing all of this under an incredible release, um, I can't ignore that. It's got, it's got to be up there. And on any other year, this literally could have been a number one. It really could have. Um, but as the year has been so strong and we are literally splitting hairs for the next four four choices, okay. um, yeah, it's my number five. Mm. I mean, speaking of splitting hairs, my number five uh... – when this album came out, I thought this is surely going to be either the album of the year or the top two or something like that. Somehow it's at number five, but it's it's this kind of fine margin, which we've not really seen before since doing these, um, that, that we're kind of confronted with this year. Uh, and for that reason, it's the answer with uh, Sundowners. I know, and it's at number five, even though it's a great album. I mean, madness, I know, but uh, I mean, I love this thing. It's it's the first time that you know. Well, they've they've come back. You know, they've had about what seven years away, yes. um, and uh, you know, they came back with that song uh, "Blood Brother," and it was like this is the they're they're back. They're doing what they do best, but it's kind of it's moved on a little bit as well, so it's not exactly the same, um, and it's just the. This album is kind of, it's a nice mixture between, you know, we're in this new era um, and stuff that they they just do well. You know mm. what I mean? Like like it's it's classic, there's classic answer in there. Like there's uh, California Rust, which just feels like quintessential answer kind of uh, stuff, isn't it? You know, it's it's, and, uh, you know, it kind of made me go, oh, thank God, you know, we got them back. You know, it was that album. It was like, oh, you know, I kind of miss this band being around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, because um, they they were one of the bands that you know they were around when I when I was growing up. We mentioned them mm. in the the kind of original wave of of classic rock uh, bands um, in the last video that we did. And you know, it's it's just great to have them back, and and they they're doing what they do well. Yeah, and what they do well is like uh, better than a lot of bands out there. They're just <laughs> this other tier, aren't they? Um, you know, Cormac again. He hasn't lost it. He's, it sounds like he's never been away. Nah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just it's wonderful just to have them back. And you know, for for me at first, I thought, oh, maybe this might be mm. one of the albums of the year. But um, somehow, it's ended up at number five. But in any other year, it could be higher. Um, it's just the the madness of this year. <laughs> uh, moving into our top four, uh, it's it's a tough one now, in particular. Yeah. Uh, the the reason I'm smiling so much, mate, is because my number four is the answer. And I had a feeling. I was like, I, I'm waiting for you to come in and go. Actually, this is my number four. I mean, yeah. we weren't far off on our on our place no. in then. No, I mean, like you, I thought this 
when I first heard it. I mean, this was a January release, I seem to remember. Very early. I believe it was January. Um, and, you know, I had Cormac on the show and I was so excited to talk to Cormac. Like, you know, we spoke another thing. I've been an answer fan for a long time. Had him on for his White Feather album, his solo album, which is great. If no one's heard that, go check it out. Um, that was released in the interim period when they went off and did other projects. But to have new music from the answer, I was so excited. You know, the tail end of last year, they released Blood Brother, the first single um, that you mentioned there. And from the moment that started playing, I was back in love. As soon as I heard that, I'm like, my band, because... I've always said that the darkness with permission to land was mm. my reintroduction back into a classic rock vibe, having grown up on bands like Aerosmith and Zeppelin and all that kind of thing. And then I went off and did the new metal thing as you do when you're a teenager, mm. but the, the, the darkness were my introduction back to it, but the answers rise was my, his darkness always had that tongue in cheek about him. He's like, yeah. Oh, there can be a serious for one of a better term. Mm. There is a, there is another, the things that we were talking about last time around with the, yeah, the fact yeah. that wave company. They were like a fun band. Yeah. You know, and, I um, think that they'd say that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it absolutely fell back in love with them all over again. Hmm. Um, so to say I was excited, Sundowners itself would be a complete understatement. Um, in many ways to me, it kind of felt like a second debut almost. Yes. Because you had that excitement and energy of them getting back together um, and they obviously were having that of like playing together and writing together and going after that break. And you could really feel that throughout the album, I thought. But equally, they also had the experience from all the other projects that they've been doing mm. in the uh, in the interim. So it was the answer and it sounded like the answer, but it morphed slightly. It wasn't, the, you know, tracks like California Rust that you mentioned was more classic, kind of, you know, straight up. You know, boogie rock for one of a better term. You know, they've always been blues based and you know, yeah. music that you can dance to and what have you. But then, I mean, to open up the album with Sundowners itself, which is mm. like six and a half minutes, where you don't even hear Cormac's vocals until like a good minute, minute, or a bit in, yeah. it really did feel like a reintroduction. Like, here's the boy, you could almost imagine, you know, they're starting off the set that way. The boys mm. are coming on, building it up, and then Cormac comes on and starts singing. You know, it almost had that kind of feel about it. But then you're back in the fold, yeah, and you've got California Rust, and I Want You to Love Me, and Oh Cherry, and No Salvation, and Cold Heart, and Get Back mm. on It. Um, the whole album's, album's incredible. Uh, they've been performing really heavy sundowner sets, and for reunion or you know new shows since they reformed where a lot of people are going to go play you know never too late or play you know whatever it might be um but to come out and do an album heavy set of new material and gaining more new fans it seems to me from what i've seen as well i think that just says a lot about it you know and the fact that they've now just gone in and done another standalone single with wild heart Mm. back straight off the back um i think that shows just how much creativity is is in camp again uh, but however, this record to me is it's that perfect combination of the energy from their debut or an album like New Horizon, mm. with the sort of richness and depth of the, the the last album that they did before they went on hiatus, which was Solus. Um, it's it's a great record mm. and it's everything I wanted from there to return and more. And when it came out, there was a bit of me that genuinely went, well, because, you know, we've done these shows for a few years yeah. now. And I genuinely, when I heard it, I went... Well, that's 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 my number one already. Probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so to have it at number four, I, it just shows how good this year's been, mate. So yeah, then mm. my number four. I have to agree. I mean, it, when you mentioned that there, the that 
they gave me the feeling that I had again when I heard Rise for the first time. Yeah. And hearing this, it was, it was like a second debut. Um, maybe them having that break was the best thing because it kind of just reminded people again How who they are. And you know, you know, when a band's just been around for ages, people, I don't know whether you almost take a band for granted just because they're a consistent thing, they're always there. Um, and it's like, oh, it's the answer, you know. But having had that break, um, I feel that a lot of people were like, oh, yeah. You know, they're, they're around and they're great, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's great to hear people talking about them again. Um, number four, we're already, I mean, this is just, it's crazy to think that this particular album is my number four. Um, but somehow it is. <laughs> I have no real reason this year. It's bizarre. Uh, my number four is Rival Sons with Lightbringer. Like this, we are so splitting hairs. It's unbelievable. Um, I'm putting Lightbringer at number four, maybe because rather than a lot of the albums having 10 tracks, this has six. True. Like this is how small margins that we're going through. <laughs> like we've, I'm really clutching at straws at this point, <laughs> but um, I think perhaps it's that, and maybe because you know we've had another album out the same year that that was uh, a bit of a longer album, um, at least in terms of track listing. Uh, so yes, despite that though, it's a great album. It's one of the best things that they've done. I think one of the highlights for me is uh, the track "Dark Fire," which is of course on on Lightbringer. Um, that opening, um, which we we discussed with Scott Holiday, um, you know, it's each album they try and do something different, and I really respect them for that. And again, somehow on album what is it? Album nine, Lightbringer. Um, I believe it's nine. Yeah. Uh, they they've managed to, to to kind of refresh things again, despite releasing a second album in in a, in a year. Um, it feels like a companion piece to Dark Fighter, of course, but there's there's this different thing, you know. It's obviously it's more well light than than Dark Fighter, um, and that track at the end, Mosaic. What a great song. One of the best uh, songs I've ever done. Yeah. Such a great song. Really uplifting. It's a great way to end kind of this almost double album, but it's kind of not. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a great conclusion. I think that this album's great. I would say if you haven't heard it yet, go out and check it out. Um, and yeah, maybe we'll have Dark Fire at some point in, in the list uh, a bit later on maybe who knows or i might shock you and not include it at all who knows <laughs> <laughs> you're number three um yeah so my number three is an artist you mentioned earlier mate and um an artist who was new to me this year mm. um we mentioned him earlier and it's don martin with buried in the hell yes um as i say I, I really enjoyed your interview with him um so i went and checked out his previous album savage life which is great mm. if anyone's not heard Don Martin, go check out Savage Life as well. And I absolutely fell in love with that record. I couldn't get enough of it. And then not long after that, I got sent um, Unhinged, the first single from Buried in the Hail, uh, to, to the radio show. And I just couldn't get enough. I was literally just spinning it on loop. I pretty much, I was doing that thing where I was 
you know me on my radio show i like to play new artists and new music yeah. whether that be from bands that i've you know followed for a long time and established acts or or people who are rising through the ranks or people sometimes i've not even heard of them till that week that i play them but i was starting to get conscious that i kept playing unhinged like yeah. i try and mix it up and i get to the i got to the point i was like i think i've played that like four weeks out of five <laughs> like, I, might, I might have to and it was just i wasn't doing it subconsciously i was just like finding mm. a slot you know you know i love playing my radio show and i'll be going yeah don martin would fit really Perfect. good there so yeah. I'll, I'll go there and then you know oh, i'll put that in there because that'd be good and it was just because i was listening to it all the time mm. and i really couldn't get enough from a, you know from hearing unhinged and then knowing a new album was on the way i was itching for it you know and then Daylight I Will Find comes along as a single and I'm like, oh, there's some more. I can play that. And then I was sort of mixing up between playing Unhinged and playing Daylight I Will Find. Then Belfast Flues come along and I was doing the same. Yeah. And it's such a rich album. It's stunning. It's 11 tracks of blues-infused, you know, rich, powerful, Celtic-laced rock. You know, the, the, the with the opening tracks, you know, at the opening track, Hello, in there, and the final track on the album, Day to Rest, with them being instrumentals, it almost feels like he's bringing you in mm. to another place, playing this incredible album for you, and then dumping you off and going, right, back to your world now. Um, and then, like you say, you know, I managed to see him a couple of weeks back and hear those songs live and just put them on another, a completely other level. Um and so much so that he's put his stamp on stuff and you're so drawn in by him and his tone and both guitars and vocally mm. that he does a cover of Patsy Cline's crazy. Well, originally of course it was by Willie Nelson, but Patsy Cline's probably the most you know famous rendition of it. And so he worked it so much that it wasn't until it got to the chorus mm. that I clicked in and went, Oh, hang on. It's that song. It just fits so well with the rest of the album. That you'd have thought he'd wrote it and i know mm. people say that on covers but i really did feel that um and it's an album that throughout the last few months since it's been released i'm consistently going back to and i don't think it's left my car since i got it and i think it's just one that when i'm driving along and i'll play stuff and it's playing stuff that i want to listen to the radio show or stuff that i'm listening to just because i want to listen to it and then every now and then it's just like Put buried in the hell back on just put buried in the hell back on mm. and on any other year like i've said since with skin dread um you know and the answer this could absolutely have been a number number one mm. it's an incredible release um i know when i was being the dom he was saying that after these shows he's doing at the moment you know he's having a break over christmas and then he's already planning the next one mm. and i cannot wait to see what comes for him in the future i really can't and i hope i get to see him again next year because he was fantastic but yeah that's my uh my number three mate yes i remember i mean i didn't want to when i had when i put in dom on my list i didn't want to go into it too much because i knew that you're a big fan of this album oh, yeah. um the, the one of the things that sticks in my head is when you sent me a picture of the when you got the album and you were like, this album is fucking great. <laughs> I couldn't get it It just completely knocked me out of my feet. Yeah. I'd heard the singles and I was like, this is brilliant. And then I was listening to it on the way to work and, you know, listening to it in its entirety and soaking it up and hearing it as a whole piece with everything else. It was just that moment. I felt like because you were the one who, uh, <laughs> like, that's how I found out about, I felt like I almost had to tell you, 
mate, thank you, because this is fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'll I'll take Dom's credit for that one. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I thanked Dom when I interviewed yeah. him <laughs> and when I met him, but you know. At that point, I hadn't spoken to Dom, so I was like, "Well, you know what? I'm going to thank Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to steal a bit of your thunder, Dom." So, uh, <laughs> uh, my number three, um, very much like my number five, which was, of course, the answer. Um, my number three is a band from back when I was younger that was very much part of the the new, well, the original new wave that we kind of touched on last time. And uh, it's uh, it's a surprise one for me. Uh, it's Blackstone Cherry with Screaming at the Sky. Nice. When I was sent this album, because I got sent it in advance, I was like, there, I don't know about you, but like when there's somebody that you really respect and, and you, you enjoy their music, particularly from when, you know, you were a kid, you're, you're going to listen to the album, but there's a, a bit of like... I, I bloody hope it's good because <laughs> you, you want it to be good, don't you? You're kind of willing it. Um, and you know what? I feel that this is the best album that they've done since probably the second record, in my opinion. Um, I think I think that they just feel like a completely re-energized band. Obviously, this time it's the, the first album with Steve on bass coming in. And, you know, he's a great guy. You can tell. I mean, I, I watched them live at one of the low-key shows that they did earlier this year. And he, he looks like he's just loving life. <laughs> you know, he seems like a bit of a character. But I think it's great. You know, it's it's really, I don't know, there's something about them that, that they feel like they're reinvigorated. And one of the things that really kind of struck me when I was speaking with Chris about the the album is, is he mentioned, he goes... He, he was talking about those first two albums, particularly oh. the first one in particular. Um, he was like, "We want to, we wanted to go back to that kind of rawness, you know, that energy that he was talking about. You know, he's like, we want that energy back, and it really does feel like you've got that energy back. But the, at the same time, there also the, the, there's a track in particular for me that really breaks the mold and in, in the best possible way, uh, show me what it feels like. They're doing something that they've never done before. And I really respect that. Again, I talk about this a lot. I don't know why I say, Oh, you know, you probably just do more of the same because it's quite successful, but this time around, they've done something different. It still feels like Blackstone cherry, but it's something that I'd just never heard from them. And when I mentioned that to him, he sat back in his chair and he was like, you know what? Yeah, it is something that we've not done before. So it was even like this kind of subconscious thing. I'm not sure. Cool. But th th there's something about this album. It's it's classic, but it's new. Like it feels like the Blackstone Cherry that we love, but it's kind of maybe like a second debut again, like what yeah. we talked. You know, this it has this slightly different feel to it. Uh, another one that, that for me is like real classic early Blackstone vibes is uh, Not Afraid and uh, You Can Have It All. You know, um, these are two songs that I think certainly could have been on either one of these those uh, original two albums and in the best possible way, because I think those two original ones, as we, we touched on in that previous video, are kind of the benchmark for a lot of these kind of new wave of classic rock bands of today. And you know, I think that this is them, but kind of updated yeah. um, and done really well. And uh, yeah, so I think they're very deserving of this kind of number three spot. 
Um, so much so that they pushed Lightbringer down a place. So there you go. There you go. That says a lot. It does because anybody that well is kind of confused by that. Obviously, I'm a big Rival Sons fan. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh your next one again yeah, the blackstone cherry one was one that kind of passed me by i mean i heard the singles mm. and for whatever reason i've not checked out the album and i love blackstone cherry it's a great album for the for those that kind of uh maybe drifted away from blackstone cherry because you know obviously they've released quite a lot they've been going a long time you know i think i think a lot of people they perhaps move on to to a different band at certain points don't you, you just yeah. naturally maybe even forget about them a little bit um, I think that this is a great album to kind of get back into them with. It, you know, it, as we mentioned, though, it feels like almost a second debut. Yeah. Um, there's a freshness about them that that I, that I don't think has been around for a while. You know, with 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 the greatest of respect, I think that there's there's they just feel revitalized. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just done great. Your your next one. Yeah, number two. I don't know how we've got to there already, mate, but we have. Number two. I mean, what's the album that didn't quite make number one? It's <laughs> basically <laughs> it, isn't it? Like, <laughs> um, so number two comes from one of, we're talking about favorite bands, there, and this comes from absolutely one of my favorite bands of all time. So it won't be a surprise to many that it's right up there for me, and it's Rival Sons, and it's Dark Fire. Oh, it's Dark Fire. Yeah. yeah. Um, Knowing that the guys working on new material is always exciting for me. I love Rival Sons Menu. I've spoken about it many, many times. I, I love for um, for this band. And as we discussed, you know, on the Rival Sons Countdown show that we did um, earlier this year, uh, for me, they consistently their sound gets consistently bigger. It gets more expansive. They get even more incredible with it. There's more depth. There's more textures. Um, you know, I thought way back when that you know, Great Western Valkyrie would be mm. their absolute pinnacle. Um, then they came out with Hollow Bones. And although it was more of a grower than Great Western Valkyrie was for me, mm. I was still like, oh, this could absolutely be their best album. Mm. Then Feral Roots comes out, and I go, oh, maybe I was wrong. Yeah. And, I, and I was convinced with each of those albums that they couldn't be topped, and they did it. Um, now Darkfire comes along uh, back in June, July, Darkfire came out. Mm. And tears that universe wide open all over again. And kicking off with Mirrors, you know, you can hear the emotion in Jay's vocals throughout. It's very much a personal record uh, for Jay lyrically. Um, there was a lot of, um, he said, you know, when we when I spoke to him, that's, you know, and I know you said some things to yourself uh, when you were speaking with him that, you know, this is the most personal record he had done in terms of lyrical content. He'd gone through quite a lot of things in his personal life and they kind of came out um, across uh, Darkfire and Lightbringer. And, um, and I think it's absolutely impacted the vocals on it. Um, Jay, in my opinion, is not one of the finest voices in rock, but he's one of the finest musics in music period, as mm. far as I'm concerned. Um, not just in the rock scene, in any genre and yeah. in any time. And I thought on this particular record, his vocals were on another level. And um, so much light and shade in this throughout you know and with scott's playing and with mikey and, and you know and dave as well it's such a tight unit and yet for four guys in a studio the sound is so huge mm. and things are so huge i mean you've got more the little light the lighter side of the album with tracks like you know bird in the hand and bright light and horse's breath through to the more sort of rockier tracks like mirrors and and nobody wants to die 
And then you've got Dark Side, which is possibly the heaviest riff I've ever heard come from Scott Holiday's fingertips. Mm. And it's probably the heaviest thing they've done generally. I mean, naturally, with the subject matter of that song anyway, you would assume that it's going to be heavy in tone and eternality. And it was just another sign that this is a band that continue to grow, continue to expand mm. and across this recent musical period that they've been through. I think this is them at their best. Um, and that is why Dark Fighters is my number two. It's yeah, it's uh it's it's difficult with with releasing two albums in a year. It is. You know. Um especially two great albums, you know, it's 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 a hard to kind of choose it's like choosing your your favorite child <laughs> um, my my number two uh this my number two comes from seeing them live so I, it's a weird one I, it's kind of almost backwards like most people would probably hear the album and then go and see a band live whereas i uh i saw them live and then went and heard the album i mean i heard little bits of the album but you know not the complete yeah. thing uh, so it's the Winery Dogs with three. Ooh, of course, they're a super group um, uh, with Portnoy and, and Billy Sheehan, and of course Richie Cotson. Uh, for me, there's a there, there was a moment live in particular, and it's and it, it's another moment on the album. Uh, it's a track called Stars. Um, it's by far the best thing that they've done, hands down. Um, and for me, the, the watching it live, it was it was really interesting seeing the crowd because it gets to a certain point in the song where Cotson plays this real insane, intricate solo, and it's like wow, you know. They, I would go as far as saying that they're the best band I've seen live. Um, they they all of them are on a complete different tier entirely. I think that. Um, it was a showcase in just elite musicianship, but in like a really humble way. It was it was bizarre. Um but but when when he kicks into this solo on stars, uh at the end of it, the audience applauded him. You know, it was kind of this and the song hadn't finished yet. <laughs> you know, it was that kind of level. Wow. Um and and I walked away from from that gig, and I obviously I heard the album, and I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? I feel that Richie Cotson is possibly one of the most underrated guitarists I've ever heard. I think he's one of the most underrated vocalists as well. As well, yeah, that as well. I mean, I would go as far as saying, having seen him live, he's possibly the best guitarist alive currently. It's a bold claim, I know. Some people go, oh, you're wrong. But I'm looking in these comments as well for, for Stars and Xanadu, these songs that are real highlights. And a lot of people are saying the same. They're going, how is he not mentioned in these kind of top tens for, you know, top ten guitarists, whatnot? And having seen him live, I think he's absolutely, at least in the top three that's alive today, minimum. Um, I'd put him at number one, quite frankly speaking. Um He's he's definitely on another tier currently. Um, I remember after he played that solo, Billy Sheehan even was like, <laughs> like 
Jesus Christ, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like you've got other elite musicians going like, what's yeah. just happened here, you know? Um, yeah, so it's an absolute testament to them. And I think them as a, as a group, uh, they're astonishing. And um, three, again, they've had a bit of a break for a while because they've yeah. been off doing different things, you know, Smith and Cotson and all that. And, you know, it feels like that break's done them well. You know, I think think having that bit of a bit of a time away from from doing stuff, it feel you know, it felt like they they're fresh and they're full of ideas. And I think it's the best album they've put out currently as a whole. Um, it's just yeah, it's on another level. I mean, I remember um, to my surprise, really, I remember uh, Justin Hawkins did a whole video on them. He did a thing about uh, Xanadu, and he yeah. even interviewed Richie Cotson. He was lording over Richie Cotson. Oh, right. So it's this weird thing where I'm seeing other musicians going, wow, like these these guys are like insane. Um, just the sheer level of musicianship. And I, I feel that if, if we were talking about best live band, or anything like that of, of this year, or you know, bands that we've seen, they would be my number one. Um, and it's it's ridiculous that this album is not number one. It's just <laughs> madness. Anybody that that maybe hasn't heard this album yet, I would implore you to go out and check it out because it's definitely in a, in any other year it would be number one. I think there's just one album above it that I feel is perhaps the best album of the last ten years. You know, like, <laughs> what are the odds of that? <laughs> so, you're number one. What? What's the moment? Like the the one album that's gone above all of these other great albums. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think there's there's an elephant in the room with my number one. No doubt there is. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I've, I've I have they 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 took my number two spot and they've got my number one spot. It's it's Rival Sons. Uh, this time with Lightbringer, um, their second release of the year. I just, I didn't want to do the classic thing when I was looking at it and going, that looks obvious. That I, Everyone knows I'm a big Rival Sons fan. Yeah. And I didn't want to do the thing of going, well, Lee's obviously going to put Rival Sons at one and two. But yeah. I looked at this list so much and it was the only ones that didn't move. It was the right. only two where I thought, I don't know where any other album has surpassed these two. Mm. Because at one point you were even trying to convince me to do them as a joint thing. I no, imagine so that you could have put number two as something else. <laughs> pretty much. You basically move the list up and then have yeah. another one at number 10. Right. Up. Yeah. Um, it is a sister album to Dark Fire. Mm. It is not a double record. So rightly so. I'm released different periods of the year and showcasing other sites. Um I think Rival Sons have written and recorded their finest material between these two records. Mm. And and knowing that they were releasing two albums this year um, with Lightbringer and Darkfire, uh, I was incredibly excited. Uh, though after hearing Darkfire, I really didn't know how they were going to top it. Mm. For me, it is a very much a pinnacle record. It really is. Mm. And I don't know if they necessarily beat Darkfire with Lightbringer. But what I do think Lightbringer offers is the other side of the coin. 
Yeah. It's like when you list watch an extended version or a director's cut of a film and you see other characters' perspectives in it and it shows so much more of the story by filling in these gaps or offering those slightly different angles to it. And you go, mm. oh, okay, that makes more sense. And you just see everything in a completely different light. I listen to Dark Fire differently now that I've listened to Lightbringer. Yeah. Yeah. It, I know it's, you know, we can't treat them as one thing, but it's definitely two sides of the story. Oh, uh, I agree. I mean, there's there's a definite connection. I mean, like the beginning of Darkfire is mirrors, obviously, mm-hmm. and the end of Lightbringer is mosaic. Mm-hmm. So what is it? Yeah, it's a says mirror, mirror is on mosaic. Or is it a mosaic? Yeah. I mean, how clever is that? It's ridiculous. So clever. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> what I loved about it, it was so interesting, so woven into each other. Whilst mm. they absolutely can be enjoyed as separate albums, yeah. You only heard Dark Fighter, you can absolutely go away and listen to Lightbringer. Or if you've not heard either of them, you could pick up either or and enjoy them. It's it's not that it, it's not so woven in so tightly that to hear this, it would be ridiculous to hear it and you wouldn't know what was going on. Mm. Um, but I just think Lightbringer offered that other side of the coin. I mean, opening an album with a nine minute track. <laughs> is is a pretty bold move yes um but in this concept it makes absolute sense Mm. Uh, not only is the track like you mentioned earlier obviously it's called dark fighter um but it morphs from like the difference between the two albums is you know dark fire is more the heavier side it's more aggressive it's more darker in its tonality and then lightbringer by its very nature and title is more reflective it's more positive it's more light for one of a better term mm. uh, the dark fire itself literally morphs from the darker tones of the, the album dark fire mm. into that more positive outlook the light bringer offers it's almost literally a transitional piece between dark fire and the rest of light bringer yeah. it's you know um and then you've got tracks like Mercy and Redemption, which are almost sister songs to each other. Sweet Life, which could have easily been on something like Head Down. That is easily a Head Down track. Um, you know, it's more of a pure garage banger, really. Um, which is amazing when you think about how far they've come along since Head Down as a record and how their sounds developed since those days. And like I was saying, Mosaic, just what a way to finish off this collection of songs. And I believe it to be their finest moment with Mosaic. I think it's the finest song they've ever written. Mm. Um, and then, like we were saying, you know, Dark Fire opens up with Mirrors, which offers lyrics like smashing the mirrors to see, to see beyond the earth. Mm. And Lightbringer closes with Mosaic with a brilliant line of the broken pieces fit together, back away, and the lines disappear. So it's almost an answer to Mirrors. Yeah. As, we, as we just said, you know, is it a smash mirror? Is it a Mosaic? It's all on perspective, and I think that's everything that these two albums offer us. And, um, yeah, it's the missing pieces of the story, and um, it has to be my number one, and Dark Fight had to be my number two. I have not found, I can't remember the last time, a collection of songs, whether this was on one double album or one album separately or two albums separately, whatever it is, I can't remember the last time I was so enthralled by a collection of songs that Mm. literally another level and then i saw them on the dark fight recent dark fight like bring a tour they came to cambridge they did a lot of dark fighter stuff but the day i saw them was the official release date of light bringer yeah, yeah. so they played dark side they went off stage yeah, 
the music starts coming back in and they came on and they did Lightbringer in its entirety. Wow. All the way through to Mosaic and it's one of the most powerful things I've ever seen them do. And, you know, Rival Sons never do a rubbish show. They never do a half hour yeah. show. They never do a week show. And this was just on another level. Mm-hmm. And it felt like it really fed into the performances. So for that reason, Scott got me my number one, man. Mm. My number one uh, is the elephant in the room. There's only one album that uh, is left. Um, I think people would tip up tables if I didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is, of course, Rival Sons with Dark Fighter. Uh, for me, I went with Dark Fighter. Ironically, you've gone with Lightbringer uh, as your number one. Um, and for me, I think I think this is purely down now to personal taste of whether you like kind of a lighter tone or whether you enjoy the darker tone. Me, I'm more toward i don't know there's something i like to hear that exploration of of these darker themes um for me i feel that their pinnacle is dark side as you mentioned it's like one of the heavier things and i like that kind of heaviness that that they've got there and i i think that uh ending a record on that song is such a ballsy move you know it's arguably to pardon the pun, the darkest thing they've probably written, um, you know, with the themes that that, that uh, is going on there. Um, it's this this there's something for me that just slightly elevates it above Lightbringer currently. It might very well change, but I just I just prefer my personal opinion. I prefer things a little bit darker. I don't know what that says about me and my soul, but who knows? <laughs> um, it's it's that heavier vibe that I think is perhaps a little bit more for me out of the two. But I mean, extraordinarily fine margins. Um, and uh, the another track that really kind of struck me was uh, Rapture. Right, it so. has this, yeah, it has this interesting chord progression it's very unusual you know you're expecting it to go into a certain direction and it kind of goes in this other one um and it's very clever stuff and you know same with uh what is it bird bird in hand yeah there's a there's it's where it's a continuous progression it doesn't actually um go back you know like like most songs they'll have the chorus and it'll come back to this and to the to the same stuff and but it's not for the entire song it's just continue it's just stuff like this it's even you know maybe some things that a, uh, an average joe putting it on in a car might not notice but i i love that kind of stuff it's just that extra layer of care um and it's 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 like you know you're you're treating it as you know a piece of art at that point um and i and I do stand by it. I think that this album currently, I feel it's possibly one of the best albums of the last 10 years. Okay, I'm, going, I'm going that far. Um, and that That's the only reason to why it's above everything else. Purely, like, I'm sorry to all the other bands this year, but they, they've just released something that is like a decade-defining album, in my opinion. 
Um, so for that reason, it has to be my number one because I mean, how can you not put that as, as your number one if you feel like that? Um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see where they go next. It really you know, will. I don't know where they can take it. No, I mean, I said, like through you know, Great Western Valkyrie and Fell Roots and Oliver Burns and everything, I felt the same. But with mm. this, it's so much of a step up in every sense of the word. Yeah, I literally don't know where they take this forward. Don't no. Know. Um, I mean, it's the first time we've ever had a single band occupy two spaces in in a top ten of the year. Um, you know, there's there's never been not since we've been doing this a band that that can dominate like this. Yeah. Um, in our in our top ten, certainly in yours, because it's one and two, um, <laughs> which is <laughs> it's something else. Um, but yes, of course that that does conclude our top ten of the year. Um, the question that we want to ask you out there is, um, what is your uh, top ten of the year? I imagine that uh, you have some albums out there that um, maybe we've not heard of or maybe we forgot about them because that's always possible. We're human. Um, I'm sure that uh, we, we usually have the moment, don't we, where we get to a certain album that one of us mentions and we go, oh, my God, I forgot about this album. Maybe we've done that. Um, comment in the uh, uh, comments below and let us know what your top 10 are. Um, and... Yes, it, it's interesting. Um, you know, maybe maybe you have some bands that we haven't heard of who have got some amazing stuff. I mean, that, that usually happens for me. What happens usually is I announce my top 10, and then in about January, February, I discover somebody, and they released an album like a few months back. Yeah, I'm I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that could be the case. <laughs> um uh, yes, so uh, the next time that we will see you is uh, this is going to be such a difficult one. But we we do for those that aren't aware, we do at the end of the year our uh, the coveted Beyond the Vibe Awards, where of course we decide for each respective category. Uh, so you'll have like best EP, best album, all of these different things. But we decide together between us on the spot, right there and then. Who are the bands? Who are the ones? What are the albums that are the best ones of the year? Um, it's kind of a non-biased thing um, with us doing it on the spot. So no money has exchanged hands. <laughs> <laughs> There's no corruption. Uh, it's a bit of fun. But um, yeah, please do join us for that. It'll be on the, en the end of the year on the 30th. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a tough one, isn't it? Absolutely. There's been so much good stuff this release this year with singles, albums, live performances, EPs. Mm. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. Um, I'm sure some of these bands will reappear in this uh in our in our award show that we've got. Um our meager little award show, but it's great fun. And um yeah, please do join us for that. And uh thank you very much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.